All right. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode. I'm here with Zach Leal, the man, the myth, the legend, the Raleigh Fingers lookalike. Um, Zach, man, what's going on? How you doing? Hey man, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Of course, man. So uh, guys, let me um, let me just give you a little background on uh, when I met Zach. And I cannot say to the exact date, but I'm pretty sure it was about 11 years ago. Uh, one of my first days at PFA as a um, as a trainer. So I, I originally started as an athlete. Um, I was referred to PFA by um, a couple pro scouts who were telling me that I needed to gain a couple more miles per hour. And Dave was the guy in the strength world on um, on what I got to do for that. So that was that was kind of my intro to PFA and to Dave. And um, as I got in, I I realized I was broke <laughs> and I I couldn't afford to to do these workouts. So um, I kind of worked out a deal with Dave to where I was going to start doing um, strength training, kind of eating up some of the evening hours uh, into training the youth department. And that's kind of where I met Zach. Zach was my um, my first intro to writing a workout. And um, between Dave and Zach, they both recommended me to Eric Cressy and and Todd Durkin. And they're like, do some, do some research and come up with a workout. This is kind of the format we got going on. And you're going to be replacing Tito. <laughs> Do you remember Tito, Zach? <laughs> Dude, that's that's bringing it back. Real Dude, far. I'm telling you, bro. And I was when I was thinking about this episode, I was like, man, like there are some OG names that are going on through my head right now. Can you uh, can you think of any of the other guys that we used to uh, do strength training with? Uh, dude, I can even data back even a little bit farther. So I guess um, I'm going to cut you off a little bit on this. So where I first started getting involved with PFA was back in 09 is when I started working out with Dave and doing some throwing stuff. But we were working out at a physical therapy clinic in, in town called Team. And uh, yeah, I mean, it was basically, he hired, I think the guy's name was Matt. And sorry if this gets back to him at any capacity or to Dave, but he hired like one of the helpers from Team to just stick around for another two hours and just kind of help us out. So I mean, there was aides at Team that were there for forever doing that. But I mean, that, that first class, I mean, it was, in my years, it was myself, Andrew Vasquez, Blake James, Mikey DeSigley. That was just at my class alone. And then in the area, I mean, we had like guys coming in like Michael Gomez, Dana Robertson, Cody Ponce. So those are kind of like where those kind of names started originating was probably back in that, that 08, 09. Scotty Frazier was there. Guys in the area that were putting together some real big talent and things like that. That's awesome, man. Yeah, it's it's so cool to think back like the um, the iconic wall and kind of how that originated and all the, all the different college athletes that, um, that started off as like the little guys at uh, team physical therapy that grew into these monsters and just kind of, uh, made huge names for himself. And a lot of them are mm -hmm. even now in the big leagues. So it's, it's really cool to see all that and cool to see, um, kind of how everyone's evolved. And, um, this episode, I, I just kind of wanted to, uh, talk about how you've evolved, man. Like it's, it's crazy to think, um, that you were rocking around in your, uh, low rider truck and, uh, <laughs> just, uh, doing those summer baseball camps and, uh, kind of teaching me the ropes on those and having me take those over and, uh, doing the high school strength program, teaching me how to, uh, transition from being a youth strength coach into a high school strength coach and the different mm -hmm. dynamics of those. And then even the showcases and how well-versed you were with all the all the different coaches and kind of, uh, networking and all of that stuff. And, and kind of where you went to college, man, like Dave's, uh, Dave's, uh, would have been alma mater at Clemson. So, uh, talk to me about that, man. Cause I, I, I know, um, we have a lot of history together, but there's a lot, I don't know. So I'm, I'm really curious. What, did, what did Clemson look like to you? 
um, I guess, I mean, how I got to Clemson was kind of an interesting story. Uh, I played a baseball tournament. Um, what, what did that been? My, my high school summer, right after my senior year, went to just go play a tournament in Georgia, just go get a cool experience. And my parents were like, yeah, go do it. I was like, okay, cool. So I go down South, play the tournament. I'm like, dude, this is awesome. First time I've ever been down there. Everything's green. It rains. It's the whole thing. And I'm like, that's pretty cool. So kind of fast forward a little bit when I was going through junior college, I was looking to transfer to a four year, uh, to go and do that whole mess. So did that. And then when I was looking at schools, I was like, I only want to go to schools down South. So I was going to use school as a means of travel. So when I was looking into schools, I applied, I was looking into mostly ACC schools, some SEC schools ended up applying to Clemson, Florida. I was applying, I was thinking about going to Miami or Duke, but there, my requirements weren't quite there. So then I applied to both Clemson and Florida off of a Dave recommendation. He's like, hey, look into Clemson, see what you think. I was like, okay. Applied to both of those schools, like I alluded to earlier, got into Clemson, and Florida actually lost my transcript twice. So fate, whatever you want to call it, I guess it was they lost to go to you. Clemson. So they missed yeah. out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I ended up going to Clemson. Uh, that would have been January of 2014. And then was there for two and a half years, worked with the baseball team there underneath uh, coach Jack Leggett and Monty Lee. So I was there with a Hall of Fame coach and we actually still keep in touch to this day. So, I mean, I got a lot of the cool experiences from Clemson, but it's a it's a priceless place in, in my kind of evolution as a, as a person, just because, I mean, it was an absolute perfect place for me. I still think about it every day. At some point, I'll end up back down south, but that's kind of how that whole thing happened. And there's a lot of other details that we, if you want to, we can pick apart how all that kind of stuff started, but it was an awesome experience. Yeah, for sure. We'll definitely get back into um, your time at Clemson. I think, uh, I think there's some really cool insights just when we're talking about like the evolution of you and, and kind of how you've grown and everything. I think, um, Mm -hmm. I think that's a really cool part, but um, kind of what you're doing now is you're, you're a co-owner of a physical therapy practice now, right? Pure physical therapy. Um, talk yes, to me sir. about like the name pure itself. What, uh, what does that represent? I know it's spelled kind of like the Beatles, <laughs> like B B E A. Uh, what's, uh, what's with the P U E R. Honestly, I was just kind of looking around one day on Google and I was just looking at like some like Latin roots of just like, I don't know, like play and lift and like all this type of stuff. And it was just kind of like a, like on a whim, it was just this logo, like this name, this logo, uh, working with Cam at the time and just kind of like doing that whole thing and just trying to figure out how that thing was just going to work. And then he came up with the logo and it just, it looked cool. That was it. It, it looked cool. It came out cool. It's not so far off where it looks foreign, but then it's close enough where it looks familiar. I don't know how to say it better than that, but yeah, it's just some Latin root that we came up with. And it was just the point where it just, it looked cool. That was it. I love it. That's, <laughs> I think that's like the history of PFA at its core. Like, Hey, we'll just, we'll just wing it and, and rock it. And, and it always turns out great. And it's, it's, that's, that's exactly how uh, it's always been at PFA. It's awesome. <laughs> yeah, um, pretty much. That's cool, man. Like um, I'm excited to get into some of those different areas and, um, yeah. and kind of talk through some of those things, but um, kind of, overall like a bigger picture stuff um i kind of wanted to talk about a a problem that kind of is going on in um in the baseball world and kind of get your Mm -hmm. take on it and just kind of hear i think a lot of my viewers would like to hear this too just kind of um 
understanding a little more of like that pandemic or epidemic of um, arm injuries and um, just overall injuries in youth athletes. I've seen a ton of it on social media. My eyes were open when I started doing TikTok and I made one like, I don't know, it was like an arm care video teaching someone how to use J-bands and all of a sudden like 13,000 comments on uh, how to how to take care of a hurt elbow or a hurt shoulder. It just, it blew my mind. So um, I guess my question is, uh, what's, what's your opinion on uh, what some of the root causes for arm injuries in baseball today might be? Oof. Um, this is something I, I, I think about all the time. I'm constantly trying to evolve my thought process, looking at the research a little bit, see what people are writing about. Uh, I have some, some pretty high level, uh, that sounds really bad. sounds really arrogant, but I have some mentors that are a lot further down the road than I am that are involved in these types of things and studying these types of things. So I try to check in with them as much as I can as well. Honestly, kind of where my thought process goes first is it's just the the level of intention of where kids are kind of playing these days. So for me, I I can confidently sit here and say like there's not many people on planet Earth. If you take a 20 year span of when I first picked up a baseball and when I stopped playing baseball, there's very few people on this earth that have thrown a ball more than I have. So I don't necessarily can sit here and just say like it was just pure volume. But I will say is that I didn't put a lot of intention behind as much throwing as I did, right? So I was throwing a ball against the wall. I was playing catch. I was playing this, playing that. I was only playing games probably once a week, maybe twice a week at most within Little League and then travel ball as that kind of evolved. But now these days, I mean, these kids are playing four or five games a week, practices, hitting in the cages, and they're doing everything's intentional in the sense of like we're trying to I don't have a better word to say it than this, but we're trying to breed eight-year-old kids to become professional athletes. Their bodies can't tolerate it very well. They haven't gone through their growth story. They haven't gone through a lot of these kind of developmental periods where they can get to the point where they can tolerate that level of stress. So stress not necessarily in the sense of a bad thing, but it's just, it's a ad or it's a noun, right? It's, it is what it is. Throwing a ball is stressful. It's a weight. It's a five ounce weight, but it's a weight. So that creates a certain level of stress. And then if you're going to increase that with volume and intensity, most of the time our bodies can't handle an increase in both. So I would say that's probably root cause number one. Uh, root cause number two, I don't know. I think a lot of these kids have a lot more access to year-round training, right? So they have these indoor facilities are popping up all across the country where for years it was Texas, Florida, California were the only people that were able to play baseball year-round. Now you have kids up in Boston, you have kids up in Minnesota, you have kids up in all these other places that are all now playing baseball year-round because they have access to it. So I think if you kind of boil it down with those two answers to kind of these big themes, it would just be increase of intention. So a lot more intensity-based movements and a lot more intensity-based driven results, as well as just more more volume, more access. That makes sense, man. And this could be an isolated um, occurrence on my end or isolated uh, observation on my end, uh, but it seems to me like the the Cody Ponces and the the Andrew Vasquez's of the world and the Scott Frazier's of the world aren't as prevalent um, now in terms of um, in terms of overall strength. Like um, guys were a lot bigger, um, at least um, what I've seen is um, guys put a lot more priority in the weight room and a lot less priority on the diamond, at least in those developmental years. Um what uh what are some of your um thoughts with that like i know i know you used to write um a lot of the workouts at pfa what what were some of the main emphases 
in in writing those workouts and and do you kind of agree with uh, the fact that people don't really prioritize those processes as much anymore okay uh where do i want to start with that question so i'm going to kind of start it off first where kind of where i see things from my perspective right so yeah we had a lot of guys that they would spend a lot of time in the weight room and they'd put a lot of those deposits in now these days i don't think that's much of a uh priority for these kids I don't know how that perception kind of started. I don't know where it started. I think a lot of it maybe came from like, you have a lot of these guys and I don't, I'm not sitting here to name names, but you have a lot of these guys like the, the aces of whatever staff in the major leagues. And they do this little highlight clip on it on Sunday night baseball, whatever. They're like, Oh yeah, this guy works out one day a week and then does yoga four days a week. And then kids kind of like taking that information. I'm like, okay, cool. I don't need to work out. I think that's part of it. I think a part of it too is where you have a lot of these kind of travel ball coaches where they just don't, they're baseball players first and then they're kind of like coaches second. So like all these baseball players like, oh, you got to play to get better. You got to do more drills to get better. You got to do this. You got to do that. Unfortunately, we only have so much time in the day to kind of divide that amongst however you would like to divide that. So then when you have all these travel ball coaches and then things like that, where it's, it's four days a week of practice and three days of games, that's seven days. Like you don't have more time to do that. And then, oh yeah, by the way, all these kids are in school, all their parents work, like something push is going to come to show that some capacity. And most of the time it's going to be fitness. How I kind of see that into the, the day and age of the game is where I think a lot of these guys that you're starting to see pumped up these, these big time numbers or be have these really long successful careers. I think they've figured out how to optimize their body as far as like kind of this pull and tug between being able to withstand the stress of it, but also induce enough stress where it creates this kind of adaptation in order to play the game for a long period of time. Unfortunately, I think to kind of increase that capacity and increase that tolerance, I think a lot of it has to do with just being able to move weight well in a weight room. Mm -hmm. And I don't know what it's going to take in order to kind of get this culture to kind of go more back towards that way. But that's kind of where my, my passion lies of trying to get guys to kind of do that and try to, understand that is a big part of the game and big part of their life because even if you move past baseball let's just say you have a 20-year career you still have another 60 years of your life to kind of live and if you're just going to quit baseball and then not do anything ever again and not do fitness not do any of this that's not going to set yourself up for a pretty successful healthy lifestyle so i think it's such a rabbit hole to kind of go down and talking about like weightlifting and fitness and all this type of stuff. And we can kind of definitely go down whatever rabbit hole you feel is appropriate. But I think a lot of these guys that you're going to start to notice that have these successful careers are going to kind of, they're going to take baseball and it's going to be a little bit more farther down the priority list than people would probably assume. Yeah, for sure, man. And, and definitely, I think, I think it's good to touch on it because our, our background, at least yours and mine are, are in fitness. And I think um, yeah. we we have both seen um, an incline in injury and um, and a decline in in the at least the priority of of fitness. I, I remember I can think of countless names of guys that just freaking lived at PFA and and they they wanted to be there. Um, what it, just talk to me a little bit about the the PFA culture and kind of whether or not you think that's a um, a reason why we had so many guys that just love to be in the weight room all the time. And they, they prioritize that over maybe a, a travel ball practice. 
Oh, hundred percent. And like when you're just kind of saying like all those countless guys that wanted to live there, I was like, the first thing that was in my head was just, it was, it was a culture, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, that was something that like, I really prided myself on in the, in the very early beginnings. Right. So I guess just to kind of give you a little bit of the background on that. So I started working out with Dave. It was just Dave. It was Dave. And then that one other helper that I kind of talked about before, once we moved into the building, that would have been 2011 is right when I started working for Dave, kind of like my my career was kind of on the outskirts. Um, I was starting to get back into school, doing a lot of things like that. So that's going to be kind of where this story overlaps a little bit, where once I started getting more reps into working and being inside of the weight room and understanding what that meant is it was this kind of like, like culture of just competition. Right. So when we, when we walked into the weight room, like when I was working out as an athlete, it was myself, it was my competition, it was the kids I played against in the league, it was all this type of stuff. And then the kind of the glue that kind of held it together was Dave in the sense that he knew where to pick fight, not pick fights, but where to put jokes. He knew how to kind of push people's buttons. He knew this. And then that kind of created this camaraderie of like all these guys just kind of driving each other to get better. And because we're just so overpopulated with baseball in this area, that if you weren't working out and then you showed up to work out later, you would know about it because everybody else would be on you about it. Like, Hey man, you didn't work out. So like you'd get a lot of jokes about it. So that kind of created a little bit of a pressure. Then you had all the guys knowing of like, okay, these are the only guys in the area that are working out. Okay. Those happen to be the best guys that are producing the results. Okay. What do I need to do to get better? You go there. So then it's just this kind of like, like a stoking of a fire is the best way I can kind of describe it. Of like, we started with this like core group of people where it was, 10 to 15 of us. And then we kind of just led that into more and more. And we've kind of created more and more of a culture that way. As far as kind of like myself and speaking on the culture is I would like to say that I did a good job with it in the sense of like understanding where Dave was at and then trying to play that kind of back and forth of like, okay, yes, I'm a fitness professional. I'm trying to do what I can in order to help kids get better. But that also needs to be an environment where they want to be in. And it's the music has to be right. The jokes have to be right. The flow has to be right. And that just took a lot of just pure reps. Cause I, I don't know what my first workout would have been. I couldn't tell you what I wrote down on the board. I can't tell you any of that, but when I'm around guys that I haven't seen in 10 years or so, they always kind of tell me like, Hey man, it, it was such a good time working out. It was, it was a fun, it was an environment. It was this, that, and the other thing. So I, I, that's kind of something that I always kind of tell people once they're getting involved into fitness or teaching fitness is like, that's, that's what matters the most, man. And that culture is really something that I, I really tried to learn as best as I could from Dave, because he was kind of the driver of that. And he did a really good job of understanding of like, when you walked in the door, it was kind of like a locker room environment where everybody wanted to get better. And I think that's just where the more and more people that I get around baseball and the more expanse or expansive network that I have, it's, those are the people that really get successful and the people that are understanding how to read the room. Yeah. A hundred percent, man. I, I agree. And, and just still living in the PFA culture daily. I mean, it's still there. <laughs> like those, yeah. those guys, everyone that walks in that room, it's a, they all want to be there. It's like a huge family. Uh, there's hundreds of people yeah. that walk in and out of that facility and every single one of them feels welcome. They, they feel energized when they walk in and they, and they walk out with the purpose and an intent to, um, to come back better the next day. And, and that's, that's super cool. I, I wish more facilities were, were like that because uh, baseball, as you know, is such a negative environment, but only at PFA, like 2012, when I started going there, like, could you have the, 
the ace from one high school and their rival ace, like go throw a, a one run ball game against each other and almost get in a brawl and then go work out together right after. <laughs> like, yeah. That's, that yeah, was such a cool the reason why uh, they... dynamic that I wish uh, was more prevalent, but, um, but yeah, that's um, um, kind of thinking along those lines and, and thinking about um, where you evolved from your time at PFA. Um, you went to Clemson right after this and you said you like started going on staff. Um, I remember like that week that you started training at, at Clemson. Cause, um, all of a sudden we, we got the legacy of the Zach Leal tiger squat that got reintroduced to the PFA workouts. So obviously like you were taking on different, um, strength exercises from Clemson and, and, um, uh, it was a, a new culture and you were probably trying to bring in the PFA culture into that. So talk to me about, um, like Clemson and how that kind of shaped your, uh, like mindset behind like strength and, and even wellness and, and watching like your program be successful, um, to those guys at Clemson. Yeah. Yeah. So in order to answer the question the best that I can, I need to kind of back up a little bit and kind of like why I was doing a lot of the stuff that I did in the sense of going to school and traveling and then doing all that type of stuff. So I couldn't tell you the, the when it was, but I mean, it was probably when I was in sixth or seventh grade. I saw this cool little clip on on TV. I was watching an Angel game, and they were they were going in and showing. A, I think it was like, excuse me, Darren Erstad's rehab, and you just saw this guy like working with him. I was like, oh, that's pretty cool, and it sounds like a pretty cool career. So I kind of figured if I wasn't going to be in athletics, I'd rather work with athletics and be able to put a hand in that kind of pot somewhere. So as I was going through school and through high school, I kind of did this personality test, physical therapy. Okay, cool. So that's kind of how that box got started. So that was kind of where I didn't know if I want to be an athletic trainer, PT, strength coach, and that I was trying to figure out a way to kind of blend all the worlds together. So when I was working for Dave, it was kind of this cool introduction to the more the fitness side. So got all that, got a lot of experience, got to write programs, got to do a lot of things that not a lot of people have access to, not to mention with the high level caliber of talent that we had in that area. So I got a lot of my just pure reps and kind of in those couple years, I mean, it was probably, I'm doing the math right. It had been about four years worth of just time of just everyday writing, culture, all that stuff, stuff we just kind of learned about. Then I kind of told Dave and I gave him the, the thing as I came in in order for me to kind of bridge this gap and go to PT school and open the clinic in the gym, which story for another time. It's like, I need to go to school. I'm doing a transfer to Clemson. He was super pumped, but he was like, well, who's going to kind of do this, all this stuff on the backside, which you kind of alluded to. But when I got to Clemson and I ended up transferring there, uh, he set up a meeting with the head coach at Clemson. And I was like, okay, cool. So I just like walked into the office and I was like, hey, I'm Zach. I'm supposed to meet Coach Leggett. And they looked at me like, what are you talking about, dude? I was like, well, like I worked for a guy. His name was Dave Goggin, the whole thing. And they're like, oh yeah, like I know Dave. And they did this whole thing of like, I'm sitting there talking to the coach and we're just talking about everything, baseball, life, the whole thing. And he's like, well, actually, like I have an opening for you if you'd like to take it so you can be involved. And I was like, well, yeah, sure. What is it? And he's like, oh, it's an equipment manager. You get to kind of do all this stuff. It's it's a cool job. You'll meet some cool people. They'll give you some friends, the whole thing. I was like, okay, sure. Didn't had no idea what I was getting myself into. I just <laughs> said yes. Obviously, I'm glad that I did. But with that being said, is they gave me a lot of different experiences to kind of answer your question of like, okay, I got really close to the athletic trainer. I can learn as much as I can. What does he do? What does he not do? How does he treat the guys? How does he kind of go about his business? 
how much does he work? Because remember, I'm trying to figure out, do I want to go that route? Do I not? Come to find out, I had no, I, I had no interest in being an athletic trainer because you work like 90 hours a week. It's mm. a lot of work and a lot of just sitting around. So that was kind of, I got to experience a lot of that. Second thing is I got access to working out in the weight room with all the baseball players and all the athletes. So at Clemson, everything was segregated by football and then everybody else. Not in a bad way, but just that's just how it was. So the weight room with all the other athletes, I had full access to at any moment. So I would be there when not the guys were working out, but with other sports. So I got to notice how all the GAs operated, how the strength coach operated, what type of programs did they write? Did I follow any of them? Like I got a lot of experience to kind of piggyback off of the time that I had at PFA and then all the other stuff. So to kind of answer that question along with an answer, it's just Clemson gave me just so many different experiences in the sense of like kind of shaping who I am as a person for one, but then two, like, how do I want to kind of triage all these experiences into my practice? At that time, I knew I, that was kind of where I started to be like, okay, I want to go to PT school. I need to do all the things to do that. So that required a lot more effort in those regards, but uh, it, it just, it, it opened my eyes into so many different directions and, and just gave me so many different perspectives, meeting a bunch of baseball players, meeting some coaches. Uh, we ended up helping recruit some guys from PFA to Clemson. We, it, there's just a lot of good that came out of it in a lot of different regards. And I probably don't have enough time to say thank you to all the people that allowed me to do that. That's so cool, man. Um, so fast forward, um, you did two years at Clemson, correct? So um, two, yeah, years so two and a half years at Clemson. You transferred to NYU. I know there was some, some gap in there, but you, you ended up going to get your uh, doctorate at NYU, correct? Yeah. yeah Talk to me so a little bit about I that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So I did my junior college because I was still trying to play baseball. I went to Mount Sac, transferred from Mount Sac to Clemson, spent two and a half years from there, graduated 2016. So the first year that they won the national championship, which was awesome to see. Mm -hmm. Then from 2016 to 2018, I was working full time at a physical therapy clinic here in town, which comes out to be where I kind of first started working out with Dave. So Dave knew Jeff. Jeff Beckendam is the owner of that clinic. He reached out to Jeff for me. I kind of went in there, said what's up and the whole thing. So I ended up started working there and got to the point where I just had a couple different promotions through those ranks, basically learned anything and everything I possibly could there. So kind of alluding to is that in every place that I've kind of been, I've tried to learn as best as I can with the people that are involved, right? So at PFA, I tried to learn, at Clemson, tried to learn, and at team, I asked every single question possible to be able to, my goal is to walk into PT school kind of being like a year ahead. It wasn't necessarily I was trying to in the sense of like, I just don't need to take the classes, but I just wanted to have enough experience to the point where I knew I wasn't going to be completely locked. So yeah, so uh, within my two years or my two schools, there was about a two year gap where I was just working full time for Jeff at team. And then I was also working at nights at PFA. So I was doing, I was kind of double dipping for about two and a half years. Mm -hmm. applied to PT school. It took me two times to get in, which is pretty normal. Uh, it was kind of defeating in that purpose, but it worked out for the better. And then I applied to 19 schools over a two year period and NYU was the only one I got into. So I was like, again, I guess I'm going to NYU. So mm. <laughs> I ended up moving to New York. I was there for three years. Uh, it was a full on doctorate, a physical therapy program, did all the fun stuff. I uh, got to work in some city hospitals. I got to work in some outpatient clinics. I got to network with some cool people. And then probably my last clinical experience is where I really tried to hone in some experiences and things like that in order to kind of triage it into the peer physical therapy that you see today. 
working with a little bit more of that higher level baseball population, higher level kind of athletic population, motivated adults, kind of stuff like that. So that's kind of like, I guess, a rough timeline of all that through, through and through that way. So what were some of the most um, eye-opening moments for you in college or like at, at NYU? Um, at NYU, I would say eye-opening experiences would be, it's just a, I mean, there's so many, but living in New York City was very, very interesting. It wasn't necessarily my cup of tea, obviously, because kind of growing up in Southern California, it's a certain way of life. And then going to the South, a certain way of life. New York is the complete opposite of all of that. Hmm. So that was probably the biggest eye-opening experience of just like what you're seeing on a daily daily routine of like a walk to the subway is not what you're going to see in Southern California or in the South. So I would say that was probably the biggest eye-opening experience from like a personal perspective. From a school's perspective, it was just like, again, is that I think that the eye-opening experience was really cool in the sense of that all the the kind of the reps that I got beforehand. So if you're like a fresh person in the PT, hasn't worked in strength, hasn't worked in any of the things that I had, you're basically starting from ground zero. And I had a lot of friends that like that. Like they didn't necessarily know how to, what anatomy was. They didn't know what muscles were. They didn't know what origins and insertions were. They didn't know what nerves were. They didn't know any of that type of stuff. But I was already, by the time I got to PT school in 2018, I started studying for a lot of that stuff back in like 2011. So I think it was just like the accumulation of the reps that I started studying on my own on top of the reps that I got a team, the reps I got a PFA, the reps I got a Clemson, like all those reps started to accumulate on top of each other where once I got to school, I'm not going to say it was easy, but it was just like, I didn't have to put a lot of effort into the things that I knew already. I had to put a lot of more effort into the things that I didn't. Got you. Um, I guess during your time at NYU, was there anything that you noticed about like just the physical therapy world and, and things that you disliked that you wanted to change? Like as you were, as you were getting closer to your graduation time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, man. Without I'm not going to name names on any of this. So yeah, I'm not, I'm not doing that, but I just think in the sense of physical therapy is that it's, it's such a general practice. And what I mean by that is that when you go through PT school, they basically teach you how to not kill somebody and to make sure that you can stay within the practice act so that you don't get sued. Very noble, very normal, very awesome kind of experience to kind of learn all those types of things. But within that, we learned like six different subsets. So you have like orthopedics and uh, pediatrics, you have inpatient, you have, there's a lot of different kind of facets within physical therapy. So when you're in school, they try to teach you a little bit of a lot of different things where I wish PT school would kind of go and go more geared towards is I think that's a really good kind of place to start. And I'm not saying to just be in school longer to be in school longer for schools to make more money, but I think it should be like, okay, cool. You spend two years of this, you learn all the stuff that you need to just kind of get your feet with it with a bunch of different things. And then I think you should have to kind of declare one year of like, okay, this is what I want to do. I walked into PT school on my first interview at NYU and I was speaking with a lady that has she, if they were going to make a Mount Rushmore of physical therapy, she's on it. Hmm. And she sat me down and she's like, all right, I know you play baseball. I know you're an athletic guy. I get it. I guarantee you by the time you finish this program, you're going to work in pediatrics. And I kind of looked at her and I was like, that's such an interesting thing to say. Cause like the whole reason why I'm going to PT school is to work with athletes and do this. 
But her, the way that I kind of took that information was that she's like, she basically wants you to walk into a program with a little bit more of an open mind and kind of learn the things you need to learn and not just like close everything off for this to only treat athletes. And I was like, okay, that I get that. And now that I'm a little bit more out of it and a little bit more removed from school is that I'm more dead set on treating athletes and treating people like that. So I wish that school would kind of allow people like myself to have this like I don't want to say preconceived notion, but having the idea of being able to walk in like, hey, this is what I want to do. I want to have the option in order to kind of pursue this goal. So I think school can kind of do a little bit better job of allowing us to go down more of the rabbit holes of where students want to, not where faculty and programs want you to be, if that makes sense. For sure. Yeah, that definitely makes sense. Um, What about um, the overall like practice itself like you were saying you wanted to be more athlete um athlete focused is there any is there any area within that specific niche of your uh industry that you would want to provoke change or is there is there anything you're doing now that provokes change yeah so i guess just to kind of bring it back is again the first introduction that i had to physical therapy was on a baseball game. So I saw these guys, they get hurt, they get to go rehab. And I was like, that's a pretty cool job. So that was kind of like the first iteration. And as I've kind of evolved through this like journey of school and journey through everything else is that my perception changed a little bit, but it's more just become more broad and specific at the same time. So broad in the sense of I'm heavily invested in the baseball that's been my whole life for basically since I was five years old. And that's kind of where I want to provoke a lot of change. But at the same time too, is I've got heavily invested in the CrossFit different level of athlete, different type of athlete, but still athlete. Then I've also got, I've played golf since I was seven, different type of athlete, but still an athlete. So I would say the reason why I got into PT was for baseball specifically. And a lot of the school and decisions that I made were to be inside of a baseball facility. Yes. I want to treat baseball athletes. That's awesome. There's not a lot of people that do it really well. In my personal opinion, I think there are a lot of them out there, but I think it's an underserved population in the sense that it could still use people that are very passionate about the sport. But I guess that's more of the specific route. And then the more broad route is like, I, I enjoy CrossFit. I enjoy golf. I enjoy all these other kind type of athletes where I don't ever want to shut off my practice just to treat baseball players and just treat this and that. And that's it. But I think I've definitely evolved as more of a practitioner in the sense of like the athlete as a quotations mark or as a quotation is a sense of like any type of human that is highly motivated and wants to play sport, which that can be whatever it is. So that's going to be kind of where I have evolved as a practitioner in that regard as far as the baseball world and kind of the point that i made to earlier and i hope i didn't offend anybody with that is that it's just it's it's a sport that is so far behind in the sports medicine world i don't know where that culture is kind of stemming from whether it's higher ups organizations whether it's just old coaches whether it's just the way of life i don't really know and i don't have the answer to that question but i think a lot of the players kind of suffer as far as their outcomes go in the sense of that we're seeing a rise in arm injuries. We're seeing a rise in all these soft tissue injuries. We're seeing a rise in all this. And I think it kind of goes back a little bit to what I was alluding to before, as far as like the volume and all that type of stuff. I think that's a part of it. But a lot of the research and everything like that, as far as baseball and training and a lot of this type of stuff, it's it's pretty far behind as far as where I can kind of perceive it going. I'm curious to see how far it goes, just because, again, I guess just a really poor example would be like ACL rehab is that we spent so much time as a profession trying to maximize it and get it as quick as possible. Now all the the secondary studies are coming out 10, 20 years later where it's like, Oh, we made a big mistake. Mm-hmm. 
So now I think baseball is kind of following that same wave where it was like, okay, hey, we're doing a, a okay job once they're hurt, but we haven't really kind of helped and kind of go around that curve to kind of really try to make a, a lasting change in a lot of these kids and hopefully adult lives when they're starting to play baseball. So I say that's going to be kind of like my biggest prerogative over my the next iteration of my career is trying to see how good – how good can we get as a profession in order to kind of help this population that is probably widely underserved as far as the the capabilities and resources that they have at their disposal, not just after surgery, but hopefully prior to surgery as well and hmm. avoid surgery altogether. Yeah, that's that's kind of what along the lines of what my next question was, is that what are your overall or what is your overall vision for pure physical therapy? Yeah. Uh, so I guess to kind of give you a little bit of a background, kind of going back into that 2011-12 arena, when Davis kind of asked me, he was like, hey, man, like, I'm trying to grow this practice or I'm trying to grow this business. Like, how how would you like to kind of help this thing grow? And I kind of gave him this like off the wall answer of like, I want to go to PT school and open a clinic into the gym. And he looked at me, he's like, I have no idea what you mean, but if that's what you want to go do, then I'm, I'm here to support you and we'll figure it out. I was like, okay. And I kind of laughed at him again. I was like, well, it's going to take me probably about 10 years to do it. And he kind of looked at me and he was like, okay. Like, I think he kind of was like, yeah, for sure, dude, go do it. See what happens. <laughs> like kind of assuming that like, I wouldn't follow through or anything like that. But again, every decision I've made over the last 10 years is trying to build this practice to what it is now. So that was going to the schools that I did, uh, working the extra hours that I did, uh, going to clinical rotations with people that are doing a lot better than I am. So, I mean, big shout out to Champion PT and Performance up in Boston, learning from the best people in the country that do what they do to help treat baseball players. Because I knew being inside of a baseball facility and kind of cultivating that type of PT environment and that I would go want to go learn from people that are doing a lot better than I am. So I spent a lot of time working for them and just learning from them and what they do. So that was kind of like my iteration of starting this, of like trying to do everything I can in order to kind of, once this hits the ground, that I am proficient enough in order to be able to treat somebody that walks in my door. With that being said, is that it kind of just worked out, I guess lucky would be a good word or see the pants or whatever we were kind of talking about before, but we've moved. This is going to be now the fourth place that PSA has now been in business in. And it just happened to be that one of them had an office space. And I was like, oh, this would actually work out really well for us. And Dave was like, yeah, just take it over. And we have a fully outfitted gym. I've learned about the business side of this over the last, I don't know, five, six years in the sense of like, okay, what do I need in order to be successful? How do I want to practice? How do I want to charge for services? How do I want to do all this stuff? So a lot of the work that you guys have probably have not seen is just me just like just reading and studying and asking questions and trying to get to the point where I'm for the lack of a better word, like replicating that type of culture that PFA had, but just bringing in the PT side of it. So like anytime I'm in here, my door's open, I'm treating guys, I'm joking with them, I'm laughing with them, I have music on, like I want that type of kind of culture just because it it's not your traditional PT setting. I'm not trying it, I'm not trying to make it that way either, but it's really trying to kind of just hone into the culture of the fact that when somebody walks into my door, they feel comfortable. They feel that I'm knowledgeable. They feel that we can take care of them. We can get them past where their goals are. So, I mean, in a long way, an answer to kind of answer that question is that like, it's, it's been this evolution and it's going to continue to evolve, but it's also been with this last 10 years of kind of the, the roots getting planted, getting planted, getting planted to the point where hopefully it kind of gets to this point where pure kind of evolves to where it is now 
and then we continue to just grow up past where where it's at right now and to, to answer you and I had a, a mentor of mine ask me that same question of like where do you want this to be in 10 years is I have a general idea of where I want it to be but the exact answer I, I don't know if I could tell you I have a pretty good idea but I'm going to kind of leave that for uh to be told later for sure man yeah I I love it man and I love the fact that you're you're trying to take something like the PFA culture, the OG culture and, and bring it into the physical therapy world. Cause just from my background and my experience, um, <laughs> physical therapy is, is almost like, um, like talking to a therapist. Sometimes it's like the, the do not go to, otherwise you're going to get labeled a, a injured individual. And, and that's just not the way it is. Like I had, I had, a ton of injuries in pro ball that I just like swept under the rug to avoid getting labeled as someone that was hurt. So, um, I, I know that that's a negative stigma and, and having a better culture in that environment is going to be so impactful and, and it's going to, it's going to be so successful. Just, just looking at all of the different facilities that are, are strength-based that have come and gone since I've, um, entered this industry. Um, the culture is the always the thing that lacks and and the culture and the environment is always what perseveres and, and shines through at the end of the day. So Dave has done an amazing job of that. And I know he's mentored you well and he's definitely mentored me well. So um yeah, I know, I know through all ashes and through all startups, the roots are are planted on firm ground and you guys are gonna you guys are going to grow and blossom into something amazing. So I'm excited to be a part of it. It's, it's such a blessing to, to be under the same roof as you guys. And and now that you guys are both in here, uh, consistently, it's, it's, it's really cool to kind of pass the torch and, uh, to tell people like, Hey, I don't have the answers. Like those yeah. guys do, those guys are way more knowledgeable than me. And, and that's kind of my whole thought behind this whole podcast is I'm trying to surround myself with people who are way smarter than me who, uh, who are experts in their field. And, and I know that you guys, um, at Pierre, you and Zach, or you and Cam, sorry, <laughs> are, uh, are beasts. So, um, yeah, it's cool. It's cool getting to, to work around you every day. And, um, I know I'm going to be, um, advocating to getting guys, um, not just in there for injuries, but, um, kind of, you kind of alluded to it, but helping guys avoid surgeries and avoiding injuries. I, I know there's like a, an injury prevention side of things to physical therapy. Um, kind of share with me um, what your thoughts are on injury prevention and kind of what you guys at Peer do for injury prevention stuff. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a very loaded question and I'm going to try to do the best that I can to answer it. Uh, I'm going to answer it truthfully. And then obviously where I, I hope to see kind of myself grow and the profession grow is that with the sport of, if I'm just going to kind of hone in on baseball, right? It's, it's stressful. It is you are throwing a weight many different times at 100% capacity for a long period of time. Unfortunately, to sit here and just say like, yeah, like I can prevent every injury would be very short-sighted and very naive. And that's not, I'm not advertising that. And if there is a PT or person out there that can, I'd love to talk to them. So feel free <laughs> to put me in touch with them. Uh, but with that being said, is like, we just take kind of the, the approach that like I said, is that all those reps and all those experiences, all the other people that I've kind of come in contact with, I've kind of just like, okay, I like that. I like that. I like that. Don't like that. I like that. And I've just kind of blended it into this, the way that I practice. So a lot of it is just, okay, I'm looking at 
not necessarily posture, but like how does their posture posture affect their movement? Okay, is their movement good? Is their quality good? How's their strength? How's their ability to kind of blend uh, pelvic rotation and hip and shoulder separation? Or like it's it's looking at all these like kind of intricate movements and trying to kind of boil it down into this like I don't even know, just like singular kind of thing, like the low hanging fruit of what we can work on. Okay, cool. Does this line up with that? How does your injury look? How does this movement affect your pitching mechanics? How like it's such a a wild kind of way to look at it, but at the same time too, is that we're trying to take a little bit more of like a systematic approach of like if you don't clear these boxes, there's no way you can develop these boxes. Or like if you don't have foundational strength, it's gonna be really hard to maximize your potential. Or if you don't have shoulder range of motion and ability to kind of move the shoulder properly around a stable spine and stable surface, it's going to be really hard for you to throw 90. So it's, I guess it's, and I don't know, if I'm probably butchering this a little bit more than I wanted to, but just kind of looking at like, okay, hey, what is the low hanging fruit? How can we address those? And how can we address those past the point where they're not that anymore? Then once we kind of take those, address those, then we kind of move up higher up the chain to the higher level kind of movement capacity type stuff. So I guess to sit here and just say like some of the things that we do, I would say that's kind of how we work as our practice and kind of how that whole thing evolved of trying to just take what we've learned and try to take some of the things that this profession has allowed us to, to treat the baseball player that's in front of us. Cause every one of them is going to be a little bit different as far as their ideologies and their uh, anthropology and things like that. So I would say that's going to be kind of the things, the overall, overall arching theme, as far as some of the specifics and things that we do is, we do a full battery of strength tests. We do a full battery of movement analysis. We do a full battery of just a bunch of different movements to try to set, like I said, kind of boil it down to what I was alluding to before, but then having access to the resource that we do here with a fully outfitted gym and the pitching coaches and the mounds and the cages and this and that is that we have this kind of cool, like collaborative effort that we're still trying to work on and trying to like, okay, cool, like, cool, come see us. We'll get you fixed and then go back and do what you're doing. Oh yeah. Hey, by the way, Bobby, your guy can't do this, this, and this. You might want to work on this, this, this. So it's just kind of creating this, again, lack of a better word, culture of just trying to be able to blend the PT into the world to hopefully kind of reduce stress, reduce injuries, reduce some of this stuff. Because again, is that injuries to me are just a, it's a lack of ability to tolerate stress. That's how the body tolerates it. That's how I've learned about it. That's what makes sense to me. So if we can do things to kind of moderate that the best that we can, it could be mechanics. It could be strength. It could be this. There's a lot of different variables that come into play there, but I, that that's kind of how I see it. That's how I see the results are. That's again, people around me, that's how they see it as well. So I think that's kind of how we're trying to evolve this practice to be a symbiotic relationship with PFA as a whole, to try to just bring in another little facet of the ability to tolerate stress a little bit better for our athletes. Dude, I love it. Couldn't have said it better, man. That's that's so cool. And and I'm really excited for the evolution of that concept to to take full effect because that's that's gonna be a game changer, man. I mean, I mean, just from a pitching coach's perspective, a small area of PFA, the little cage that I rock in, it's um you you pick up on tendencies. Um, like I I didn't go to school for that, but you pick up on like Oh, maybe, maybe his ankle is slightly immobile and that's what's causing his knee to collapse. Like little, little tiny things like that, but to have a full battery of, of metrics that, um, that are able to define those, um, deficiencies better. That's, that's going to be awesome. And I'm, I'm really excited to, 
share some of the ideas that I have um, for the summer with you. And, and we'll talk about that more. And for you guys, we'll, uh, we'll, that'll be on the, on the rise in the future, things to look forward to. Um, also yeah. other future things to look forward to with Zach and um, maybe with Cam, we'll see if we're going to do more tip videos or Q and A's, but uh, <laughs> we're um, I, I want to start doing more Q and A. So getting like the guys outside of PFA, um, some maybe questions answered. I, I get so many questions all the time about uh, different things that may be causing their elbow to hurt. And to, to be able to pass them on to someone who's way more knowledgeable than myself is going to be super cool. So uh, looking forward to that. Um, tell tell us a little bit about <clears throat> like just peer, where, where people can get in touch with you, where they can uh, uh, schedule something if they leave or live locally or even where they can engage with you on social media. I know you guys have some... Um, um, some, I guess some movement days or some, um, pre-throwing routines and post-throwing routines that you're wanting to start publishing on Instagram and TikTok. So just kind of talk a little bit about that and then we'll wrap it up. Yeah. Yeah. So we're basically pure physical therapy at every handle. So, uh, pure physical therapy on Instagram, pure physical therapy.com, uh, info at pure physical therapy is the email. Uh, if you, if you just type us our name into the, in, into Google, you'll probably find that, find us at some capacity. Uh, but yeah, the Instagram stuff is going to be pretty cool. Um, some cool ideas coming through there. And then, uh, just kind of like this new iteration of this, uh, mobility class that I kind of, a recovery class that I've kind of coming up in the, in the, in the future should be a pretty cool idea and pretty cool kind of little thing. And then we'll just try to kind of grow this thing and get it going. But, uh, yeah, feel free to follow us in any of that. And then if you guys ever need anything, just either reach out to Bobby or, Shoot us a DM and I'll be more than happy to kind of discuss whatever and whenever. Awesome, man. Yeah. Thank you so much for what you do, man. I know you're uh, making a huge impact. The The clients I've had to sh uh, send over your way, it's always like a bittersweet thing because I hate that they're there, but I love they're with you. So um, <laughs> yeah, I, I love it, man. And, and just to kind of stress your point um, or drive your point home, like throwing is, is a stressful thing and it's, um, it's just a matter of time before things break down and, and, um, having someone in your corner that knows what they're doing is, uh, is going to be the way you, you get back in the weight room or get back in the weight room. If you're in uh CrossFit or back on the mound, if you're a pitcher and, uh, just it's a, it's a team effort. It's, it's a lot better than just looking something up on a podcast, like what we're doing <laughs> right now. So yeah, get, get yeah. boots on the ground and, uh, get your butt into pure physical therapy if you need some help. Yeah. Absolutely. For sure, Zach. It, hey, I appreciate your time, man. And thank you for hopping on and uh, sharing some of your knowledge and just your overall story, man. I can't wait to do more Q&As with you. Absolutely, man. Anything I do to help and uh, be more than happy to help you out any way I can. Cool, buddy. All right, man. Take care and uh, you guys, God bless.